thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Jonathan and I just, just had some conversation back, um, back a, it's been a month or so ago now, I guess, uh, just, just talking about some sermon, sermon planning and looking uh, ahead to the year and just thinking about what, what in the world do we, do we talk about? You know, what, what do we, what do we uh, spend time on in this, in this moment? Okay, in this moment, uh, that would bring about unity, that would bring about growth, that would bring about um, understanding, that would maybe bring about peace, uh, that would bring about even moments of challenge uh, in, in a way of teaching. You know, uh, there are so many, I mean, from, from start to finish, there are so many different things that we could look at and that we could study and that we could... Um, do and work through in scripture together. There, there's books of the Bibles, there's topics, there's just, there's all kinds of things. But in our conversation together, uh, both of us kind of felt like continuing just with Jesus was a very important thing. Just continuing with Jesus. And even though we're kind of, we've kind of been in this, he said what? That was kind of our idea as we began the year. But the more that we both had been studying Jesus and talking about Jesus and, and teaching and preaching Jesus on Sunday mornings, we just, just felt compelled to just, for a period of time this year, for, the, for maybe the first half of the year, uh, which is really hard to believe, almost halfway over anyway, um, is to just continue to spend time with Jesus. And, and that's not just a Matthew idea. That's not just a Jonathan idea. Uh, I look at it, and to me, the idea originates with Paul. What does Paul say? He says, I preach what? Christ and him what? Crucified. And I think we can get off on a lot of different things and in a lot of different directions. And there's a lot of, and, and don't get me wrong, there's still going to be a lot of time through our, our, our meeting times together that we have time to talk about different things. But um, I just don't think that there's anything more important than Jesus. And so we're going to stay with that for a time um, together for, for several more months, which, um, which, which means we're going to, to, to come across a lot of different things. But today we find ourselves in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And we're going to start and read uh, this first section together on the parable of the sower. It said, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in, or sat in it out on the, or sat, sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. That, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I, I think is so amazing that every time Jesus spoke, what happened? A crowd gathered. And, and that's, that's another reason that I want to just spend time with Jesus. Because I want people to come in here, not Matthew, not Jonathan, not the elders, not the different Bible school teachers. I just want them to hear, you know who? Jesus. That's, that's what we're trying to do. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out and sowed his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants, scorched, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever, uh, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Let them hear. So Jesus starts this, this, he gets up in a boat, and Jesus does this. Jesus is, as much as we talk about how great the teachings of Jesus were, what we have written with us here in this particular passage is the explanation. We're going to get to that here in just a second. The explanation of what he was talking about. But Jesus does these type of things. Jesus is walking along the road. And people follow him, and they, they come from miles and miles and miles to hear him. And he turns around, and he just goes, Lest you hate your father and mother, you can't have anything to do with me. And he just turns around and walks off. What if you had walked three days to hear Jesus, and you finally get there? And he stands up in a boat, and you're, you've heard all these great things about Jesus. You've heard all these great things about all these wonderful things that this new rabbi is teaching and all these things. And he gets up, and he starts talking about planting a garden. He starts talking about planting a garden. How many of you um, just enjoy garden talk? Just enjoy garden talk. How many of you, like, so I've had this bright idea that I want to plant a garden this year. And we've had garden. We had gardens growing up. I never had anything to do with the gardens except eat out of them. Okay? It's my favorite part of the garden, just eat out of them. But, you know, I've just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just, I want to do something different this summer. I want to have a little bit of fun. I want to, you know, and I may get into it. You may look at me and go, Matthew, gardening is not any fun. Um, some people think it is. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out something new to do, you know, because I've got so much time, so much time. Um, and I've got kids and they need something to do, you know? So garden sounds like a good idea. Sounds like something that I'm going to let die this summer is what it's going to sound like. But so I've been watching YouTube videos about gardening and I have yet to find one YouTube video about gardening that is exciting, that is exciting, that just gets my blood pumping about planting a garden, okay? So far, the most exciting thing is I get to use a tiller. I get to use a power tool, and that's it. That's, that's, that's the most exciting thing so far, you know? But I'm still like, okay, I'm going to do this. But imagine you've walked all this way to hear Jesus, and Jesus spends 45 seconds talking about what? Planting a garden. And I'm pretty sure some of these people walked away, and they go, he said, what? I've, I've, I've waited all this time to, to hear this? And Jesus does that. But then, then the good stuff happens, okay? Then the life-altering moments, conversations happen. The things that make us think, the things that make us search our soul. And, and as we get ready to read the second part of this, okay? As we get ready to read the second part of this, I want you to just take, first off, do this with me. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And I want you to open your heart to what he's about to say. Okay, because we're fixing to talk about all these good types of soul. And what we tend to do as Christians is we tend to read this next part. And many of you are familiar with this next part. And we automatically say this. I'm good soul. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I'm good soul. But I would venture to say and challenge you with this idea 
that we may not all be as good, good of soil as we, we want to think that we are. And so passages like this maybe help us reevaluate and, and refocus in a spiritual way back where we need to be. So let's, let's keep going. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about this parable. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those on the outside, but to those on the outside, everything is said in a parable so that they may, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like a seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. The word that was sown, uh, takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed uh, sown among the thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, sometimes 30, some 60, and other, and some 100 times what was sown. Okay, so let's talk about some of this stuff from this passage this moment. The first thing I want to do is, is, is just kind of talk about the soil situation here for just a second. Because like I said, a lot of you have heard this. A lot of you have heard this over and over. And when you hear something over and over, oh, I've heard this preached so many times, we can get kind of used to it. Okay, we can get kind of used to it, and it kind of loses its significance, it loses its power, but it's still just as powerful. So, so let's start at the beginning. Don't you understand this parable? The, the farmer sows the word, okay? Verse 15, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And I read that, and, and, and I think about, you know, there are, there are so many people that just hear the word, and it never takes root. There are so many that just hear the word, and it never takes root. And I, I've thought about this week. And maybe I'm right here, maybe I'm wrong. Okay? Maybe I'm right here, maybe I'm wrong. But this is what I've thought. Is it possible that the reason that is it possible that the reason the birds could get to the seed in the first place is because the ground is just so hard? It's just so hard that the seed can't even penetrate it. It's just so hard. The seed can't even, the word of God can't even penetrate the soil that it's sown on. Satan has them. And I've thought about that all week. I've thought about this illustration and of, of just taking a handful of seeds and just throwing it down this aisle right here. Just throwing it down this aisle. What's going to happen to those seeds? Nothing. Nothing's going to happen to them. Why? Because what's under this green carpet? Concrete. Is that seed ever going to penetrate that hard concrete? No, it's not. And you know what's going to happen to that seed? My daughter, your daughter, somebody's kids going to walk through, and what are they going to do with that seed? They're going to pick it up and put it in there. 
mouth because that's what kids do, right? And so there's a modern day illustration there for you. But is it possible that the reason, is it possible that the reason that that seed never just eaten by, by the birds is because the ground, the soil, the heart is too hard for the word to even penetrate? And is it possible that you can be in this building every day Every Sunday, every Wednesday, but yet you show up with a heart that is so hard that the Word of God doesn't penetrate it anymore. I think it is. And that's scary to think about. That it's possible that you could be in this room this morning and, and you could be so hard-hearted that the words of God this morning are not even going to touch your soul and touch your spirit. And so I ask myself, how do I know if I'm getting hard-hearted? How do I know if I'm getting hard-hearted? Well, maybe you ask yourself this question. Do people look at me and see love or aggravation? Do people look at me and see peace or do they see frustration? Do people look at me and see calmness or do they see someone that's going to stir the pot and keep things... Do people see someone that's focused on God's will and God's way or my opinion and my feelings? Like I said, we're not all good soul. We're not all good soul. But is it possible this morning that you've let Satan, whether you realize it or not, turn your heart hard? Think about that. Think about that. Let that sit. Because the story says that some of us very well could be that soul that the seed doesn't even penetrate, that Satan has us in that type of relationship. Okay, hold that one for a second. We're going to put that over here, number one. Number two, others like seeing sown. These next two are things that I think probably define most Christians, probably define most Christian situation here. Some people are like this, I'll tell you the path. Um, 16, others like seeds sown on a rocky place, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Then troubles, persecutions come because of the word, and they quickly fall away. So some, some of you this morning may be in this situation, where right here, right now, in the maybe the infancy of your Christianity, the newness of your walk, you're excited about God. You're excited about Jesus. You're excited about salvation. You're excited about church life. You're excited about church family, about fellowship meals, about lads to leaders, about top golf, about the zoo trip. You're excited about adopt a school. You're excited about all these things that we're doing. You're excited about class. You're excited. You're just excited. And you start to, I think of this, I think of this when you're walking down, well, really, and, and, and when you're walking down a sidewalk and you see flowers popping up in between the, the, the two pieces of concrete, you know, is, is that going to turn into a big blossoming, blooming garden? No, why? Because how shallow are those roots? Very shallow. And then he says the sun comes and the wind comes and it scorches those things and it blows those things away. And so I'm excited with joy. I'm joyful about my Christian walk. And then I face that first challenge. This was supposed to be fun. This was supposed to be about trips to the zoo. This is supposed to be about going to the Opryland Hotel for a weekend at a lot cheaper rate than I could ever take my five, 15,000 kids to lads to leaders. I, I get to go to Opry Mills and, and they're going to have a hospitality room and I don't have to pay for food. And do you understand? 
some of you understand how much it costs to take my family out to eat. It's supposed to be great and exciting. But then that challenge comes. And you go, I don't want that. If this challenge, if this persecution, if this losing friends, if, if my family not have anything to do with me, if, if, if difficulties are part of this, I'm sorry, God. I'm, I'm not doing it. I've seen that happen over and over and over in ministry. As long as everything's going the way I want it to go, Somebody called it narcissistic, the narcissistic gospel. It's all about me. It's about what I want, what makes me happy, what works for me. And when, when it's not about me and when it's about challenges, I'm out. I'm done. You know people like that. You may be someone like that. That's the second soul. The third, he says, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of life. And I think this describes a lot of people my age. This is just my opinion here, okay? But I think this describes a lot of people in, in, in my generation who are raising kids right now, who have all these things going on. They're sitting here trying to listen to the preacher, and their kids are climbing out of the pew, you know. And um, some of you just, you know, Casey just made a beeline, and he was gone. Um, my kids have done it. Randy's seen my rabbit, your squirrel, run around and take off. And, you know, so this is what he says. He says, you know, you've got this life going. You hear the word. Um, I've lost my spot. Okay. Okay. So you're sown among thorns. Verse 18. They hear the word, but worries of this life, the, the, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for good things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I love our house. And when Chris showed us our house, she showed us our house. When everything in our yard was in bloom, it was so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, what she didn't tell me is a gardener didn't come with the house. Like I just got to take care of all this stuff by myself. So right at the very front of um, the driveway is this big thorny bush that keeps growing. And I need to just dig it out. But it had grown up and I got out there last the beginning of last spring and start cutting it back and cutting it out and up under it. What are the, um, what are the big bushes that have like the big blue balls on them? The big blue flower balls do what a hydrangea under all of that thorn was little bitty hydrangea bush. All the other hydrangeas in my yard were fixing to bloom. Like you could tell they're fixing to bloom. This one, you could tell it was still alive, but it wasn't getting ready to bloom. And, I, and I, I thought about that as I was reading this passage this week. And I thought, you know, how many of us, like we're here, we're here, but we're just kind of the shell of a Christian. Because the worries of life. Monday, on Mondays, Vance has baseball practice. No, Vance has baseball practice at 5.30. Collins has gymnastics at 6.30. So I take him to ball practice take her to gymnastics, come back and watch 30 minutes of ball practice, go back and get her and then come back and finish ball practice and take them home. And then 
you know, Blair's doing things at the house. with so, so Mondays are just kind of a crazy evening for us trying to figure out where to get everybody. And these are just the oldest two. The third one is fixing to be in kindergarten. And, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it's just all different directions every single moment of the day. Then I've got uh, Patty called Blair yesterday and she's like, hey, she's like, we need to go to Florence and do this and do this and do this. And she goes, Matthew, can you keep the kids? And I said, well, I mean, I've got some things to do. She goes, well, what do you have to do? I said, work. I said, I have a job. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it just crowds everything out, doesn't it? You've got your own things that crowd things out. Chasing after the wrong things. And it's not that the plant here didn't grow. What does it say it became? Unfruitful. It just shows up to church. And then walks out and doesn't live it. And listen, let me, let me back up and say this. If, if you're new, if you're coming and, 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 and you've not been coming very long, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm not saying that this is you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. You're here and... and you're, you're learning for the first time, and, and I'm, talking, I'm talking to you people that have been here, okay? You've been here. You know, okay? You know. What are you letting crowd out Jesus in your life to where he's growing, but there's no fruit coming out? And then, here's the last one. Here's the last one. He says, others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word accept it and produce crop. How do I know if I'm good soul? How do I know if I'm good soul? You hear it, you hear it, you accept it, and what? Produce. You hear it, you accept it, you produce. Am I good soul? What are you producing? What are you producing? We were talking in class this morning about discipleship versus Christianity. And that we're all, we, we've been teaching, become a Christian, become a Christian, become a Christian, become a Christian. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, go out and make what? Disciples. And, and we're having this conversation that we, whether we really, well, we just admitted it in class, that being a Christian is kind of down here in people's mind. And being a disciple just takes more effort. We can be a Christian and not be a disciple. Jesus says, no, you can't. No, you can't. He goes, I didn't. Jesus never calls us to be a Christian. Never, not one time. And I'm not saying that we should not wear that name with pride. We should not strive to be a Christian. But above all, we got to be a disciple. And disciples here, they accept and they produce. Disciples produce. Christians should produce. There shouldn't be a difference in the two. It should be the same. They're one and the same. You're the same thing. You're followers of Jesus. Are you producing this morning? Because you see what producers do is they go out and they produce other what? Disciples. And so are we a church of producers? Are you a producing Christian? Are you letting your light shine? Are you being fruitful? Or are you, or are you one of these other types of soul? Now, here's what I want to talk about with you for the next few moments. And I want you to understand, you may have to do some soul searching this morning and realize I'm not good soul. You may be sitting there this morning and go, you know what? Matthew's right. I'm hard-hearted. I'm hard-hearted. I have got, I have got a heart as hard as the concrete under this floor. Let me ask you something. Could I clear out these pews right here? Could I clear out these pews right here 
and grow a garden right here? Could I? Wait a second. Could I? I could, couldn't I, Caleb? What am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to dig up all this concrete. I'm going to have to put a lot up here somewhere. That's not going to make the elders happy. Take the roof off. I'm going to have to dig up all this concrete, all this hardness. I'm going to have to put some work in. But I could take this spot right here, and in the, with the right tools, with the right help, I could grow a beautiful garden. Starts out as hard, can turn into a garden. I could be a Christian that is challenged by challenges and challenges and persecution and say, God, I, I want it to be about me. But I could put in the work, and I can make it about God. I could be a Christian that's being smothered by the, the, the demands of the world. And I can put in hard work and effort, and I can cut those thorns back, and I can push those worries away from, from an unhealthy place. I, I can take the desires of the world and replace them with desires of Jesus, and I can make my soul good. Just because you're not good soil this morning doesn't mean you can't be good soil tomorrow. Amen? And we're not all good soil, but we can be. You can be. You can be a disciple that hears and accepts it and produces. You can be a disciple that goes out and makes other disciples. You can be good soil. And that's my challenge to you this morning is make up your mind today that you want to be good soil. And not just make up your mind that you want to be, but that you're going to be good soul. Because you see, we don't grow as a church until we start growing as individuals. You believe that? We don't start growing as a church until we start growing as individuals, until we start cultivating our lives and getting rid of the things that we don't need to have and all these. We, we've got to make our mind up to be good soul and then start making the changes and putting forth the effort to create and cultivate that in our life. Now, once you become good soil, then you got to start producing. And there's, Wiley and I were having this conversation this week as we were talking about this passage. And he said, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this particular text is, if, um, is that this guy just didn't sow the seed on good soil, did he? He didn't just sow the seed on good soil. If I'm going to start a garden... I'm going to go out and I'm going to make that spot in my yard the best possible piece of ground that I can to accept these seeds. You don't see that in this story, though, do you? What do you see this guy doing? He's just walking around going, got a plant here, got a plant here, got a plant here, got a plant here, got a plant here. You know what that tells me? Everyone's worthy to hear the gospel. Everyone's worthy to hear the gospel. Sometimes we don't feel that way though, do we? And I say that and you go, well, I, I don't know, Matthew. But let me put it this way. Man, Jake's a great guy, but he'd never go to church with me. You know what you're saying? Jake's not worthy to hear the gospel. He'd never go to church with me, so I'm not going to put forth the effort. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to invite. I'm not going to go that direction. You ever been guilty of thinking that about somebody? I have. Let's just be honest. I, I've looked at them and go, they'll never, they'll never show up. They'll never come. So I don't even try. 
and I look at them and I decide they're not worthy of the gospel. But this story tells me that when I am a producer, I look at everybody and I go, they're worthy of hearing the word of God. What did I say last week? Do you remember what we talked about last week? My, my favorite thing that we kind of talked about was this. You have a story, figure out what your story is, figure out who will listen to your story, and then tell everybody who will listen. And even if they won't listen, tell them. This, this parable teaches us the same thing. You've got a story. You've got a message. Guess what? Go share it with people. It doesn't matter who they are. They're worthy to hear the gospel. They're worthy to hear the gospel. So Jesus challenges us with a really good, a really good parable. A parable that for some... For some people, there are going to be people on the day of eternity that still are going to think that this story was about a farmer and a garden. But you know it's about something different. You know there's a personal context to it. You know that it can touch your life and change your life. I want you to fast forward to verse 26. Fast forward to verse 26. We're not going to talk about this, but this is what happens when you cultivate. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seeds on the ground, not in day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I read that and I think this. When you decide that you're going to be good soul and you start living as a good soul Christian, the Holy Spirit's going to come into your life and he's going to help you grow. And you're not going to understand how it's happening. You're not going to understand what's happening sometimes. But the Holy Spirit's going to fill your soul. And he's going to help you become more than you ever thought you could be in the kingdom of God. So produce a place in your heart for the Holy Spirit to plant himself. For the Holy Spirit to plant himself and help you grow. You may ask this morning, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? That's an important question, one that we have to know the answer to. And, and Peter gives us the answer to that question in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, he's having this conversation with all these Jewish people who had crucified Jesus. And he convicts their hearts. And one man stands up and says, what must I do to be forgiven of these things? And he says, what does he say? Repent and what? Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of? The Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Fast forward to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is given to us for a couple of different reasons. But he's, also, he's given to us to ensure our salvation. To ensure our salvation. So when you become a Christian, when you have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism, and you receive the Holy Spirit from God in that moment, he looks at you and says, Gary, I've got you. I've marked you. I've sealed you. But you don't get that forgiveness and you don't get the Holy Spirit outside of these waters. So this morning, if you've not received your forgiveness, if you've not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, then make sure that you do that today. That's the first step for many of you to creating that good soil in your life is to become a child of God this morning by following the words of Peter, by following the words of Paul, most importantly, by following the words of Jesus. Secondly, Maybe you've got some gardening to do. 
You may not be good soil today, but you can be, and that's my challenge to you. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Is inspired.